Hello and welcome back to Nablo Storytime. So, for starters, if you've been listening to the other episodes, maybe this sounds different to you in terms of how it's been recorded. That is because I'm not using my microphone, I'm using my earphone microphone speaker thingy, so I'm not sure if it sounds different. But if it does, now you know why. Second of all, I'm not actually going to be reading the book this time. Um, I'm probably going to delete this in a few days, I just wanted to quickly give you an update, which probably won't be a regular thing, to be honest. But I just wanted to say that um, I was gonna post an episode like two days ago but i just didn't publish it let me explain so if you remember a few episodes back i read a section of reclaim your heart which was a very interesting book because it gave me a lot to reflect on when i was reading it and then the people who have given me feedback so far also thought it was quite deep and gave them a lot to reflect on so that was cool if you did listen to the episode there was obviously a part where i was dissecting what i had read from a Shia perspective, as a Shia, like as a Shia person reading it, because I didn't realize that it would be an Islamic text or a text that um, looks at things through an Islamic lens, let's say. Anyway, so from what came out of that was that I wanted to read a book that was recommended um, to me in a lecture by a Shia scholar. So me assuming that it would be a Shia book to combat some of the issues that arose from a section that I read in the Reclaim Your Heart book. Like two days ago, I finally came to reading that book and I was recording this episode. But it's in my drafts right now and I don't think I'm going to publish it because it was very messy. Like, I'll admit, because that's the vibe of the podcast in general, that, you know, my episodes are kind of messy. And that's cool. That's fine. That's how I want it to be. I just want it to be very me. Keep it real, you know. Um, Stumble on my words. Pause go off tangent and stuff but in this episode i was like skipping ahead to different chapters and like um normally i think in most books that would probably be okay but in this one um there was a lot of context that was missed when doing so and it became a bit confusing so that's why i'm probably going to skip it however something interesting that did come up in that episode was um i wasn't sure if the writer was shia or sunni um what was her name? Ah, from the top of my head, I can't remember her name. Lauren something, maybe? Leslie? I can't remember. It was something like that. And it was basically about the Shia-Sunni split, what happened after the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, peace be upon him in English. Um, when he passed away, what happened? Um, kind of on a chronological basis. And I thought that would be a very interesting, informative thing to read and to share. And from a Shia perspective as well. Um, But also just from a non-biased overview. That's what I was expecting going into this. However, there were some things that were said in the book that made me think it was probably written by a Sunni person. As in the author was probably Sunni. Um, And I was okay with that. When I realised this, I was confused. Because, you know, that person recommended it. But, you know, um, he's quite well read. And I'm sure he reads from a lot of perspectives. And then that made me think, and something I said in that podcast episode, which I'm basically just repeating now, because obviously I'm not going to publish that one most likely, so I might as well repeat the point that came out of it, which was, I'm okay, or I was okay with continuing to read the rest of that um, book, at least for the rest of the episode, because I think it's very, very important to learn about and read about the other perspective. Not even just in religion, let's just talk about politics or, um, I mean, like, anything in life really but politics and religion seems to be the biggest issues that this pertains to so let's just stick with that for now and they they interchange quite a lot actually um 
But yeah, I think it's very important to understand the views opposite to yours, the opposing views, so that you can live in harmony and coexist with someone who's different to you. Also to just understand one another's differences and similarities. Um, You know, the lack of ignorance, I think, promotes peacefulness. Did that come out right? Um, Ignorance basically breeds hostility. That's what I'm trying to say. And I see this all the time. Makes me very sad. Something else I realised when I was saying all of this was that, from my observation, and I think this is quite factual on a general basis, um, when it comes to the religion of Islam, I feel like at least modern day believers, it would mostly be Shia people who read into the religion from both perspectives, or yeah, both perspectives. I'm not going to claim that Shias do more historical reading because that's not true. Um, a lot of Sunni people do historical reading, but I would say mostly just from their perspective. Whereas I feel like we have to try and read both sides of the story because, and this is the crucial part now, because our views are often attacked and, you know, verbally, of course, probably online in a heated debate with trolls or whatever it is. But then that also manifests into direct physical violence a lot of the times and it's very dangerous. So I think what I've noticed, what I feel is the case, for now at least, is that a lot of Shia people learn about Sunni beliefs as well as their own beliefs because they have to have their facts airtight when they talk to someone. When they talk to someone with opposing views, people always come at them, or, you know, Sunni people always come at us for what we believe in, and we always have to have our facts straight. Not only that, when we um, cite things, when we give evidence, it always has to be from not only a Shia perspective, but also a Sunni perspective. Like, when we give evidence, it has to be from both sources, because one doesn't suffice. Um, And I can't remember if it was in that same lecture or not, but the same lecturer was saying that we don't always have to do that, a Shia person, that is. You don't always have to give evidence from the Sunni side as well as the Shia side. Like, yours is sufficient because you believe in that and you trust that. So have faith in yourself. Um, It's not that, you know, Sunni evidence doesn't exist for certain matters. It does, but you're giving yourself extra work when you don't really need to. Like, just have faith. Um, Let me know what you think on that, though, because I simplified this and I could be talking for a lot longer, but I'm not going to do that. Let me know what you think. Um, But yeah, to conclude... um, uh, this is obviously a generalisation and it doesn't apply to everybody but the sense that I get is that Shia people have to do a lot more research into not only their views but opposing views to theirs because they are often, if not always, having to defend their views and those moments where they have to defend their views could become dangerous in a physical sense um, as well as other senses. Like they, It could really compromise their safety and I don't know how many people realise that. Um, so yeah, if we were to take any rewind, <laughs> if we were to take anything away from this, I really wish that we could try and be more understanding of each other, try and understand people who have a different opinion to yourself. You know, if you're not a fan of it, I'm not trying to tell you to go and read about their views if you don't genuinely want to, like no one's going to force you to do that. But I just think it would be very fruitful if you did try and learn at least some of the basics of opinions that are different to your own. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going in America, going on in America right now. It's what all the media is talking about for the past few days. Um, so I don't need to point out the obvious. But then again, if you're listening to this from the future, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. So obviously, far-right extremists um, crashed the capital. And yeah, it's it's not good because because of so many reasons. 
for instance, the fact that police basically let them in and people are talking about white supremacy now, well, again, actually, and how if you compare this to the Black Lives Matter protests, peaceful protests, mostly peaceful protests anyway, um, that happened once before, the police presence was way stronger. It was like 14,000 people compared to how many police were there the other day. Anyways, I don't need to explain it to you. You probably know what happened. And my point is that it's kind of useful for us to, like, if you have an opposing view to those far-right extremists, it's still important for you to kind of try and understand where they're coming from. Um, Not to agree with them. No one's telling you to agree with them. But I think it will be useful to just understand their views, understand what they're thinking, because if you think the way they're thinking is wrong, that could help you to combat it because you understand where they're coming from and then you can actually work with them. And yeah, I don't know. This is just my hopeful thinking that things like this, if more people did it, could have positive, no, positive (laughs) um, benefits, outcomes, you know? It's obviously not the only solution. I will not be naive enough to say that. But I definitely think this is something that every person can do in small amounts. Um, and it will definitely have a positive impact in whatever area you th- apply this to. Like, I've said this before, I'll probably say this in many episodes. I'm not a scholar. There are so many things I can't retain past my short-term memory. And it's not great. It's something I need to work on. Um, but I don't think if you are like me in that respect, um, that means that you should give up in terms of seeking knowledge and stuff. No, not at all. Um, the more you do it, the more repetitive, the longer things will stay in your head. And yeah, obviously things that you care about, you will retain more of that information. Um, I just think it's important to try at least to learn about certain things, especially not just your own world, but the world outside of your circle or outside of your beliefs and stuff because um you might even realize sometimes that you're in the wrong and this applies to me too um you know that could be a useful wake-up call too so what was the point of this episode i don't really know anymore like i mean i do but i don't know how to sum it up i just wanted to share some perspectives that came from an episode that is now lost in my drafts as in i'm not really gonna publish it um that's the second one now actually because if you have been listening to the other ones There was another episode of the Susan Sontag um, Notes on Camp that I had initially recorded. It was like my first episode, actually, but it overran. That's the honest thing what happened because I... What happened? Wow, what a sentence. Oh, my God. That's the honest thing that happened. (laughs) Um, The reality behind it, because I said there was technical difficulties, and that's true. But it's just because I didn't know how long a podcast episode could run for. And then I lost track of time. And basically it overran and... Yeah, it would have been hard to salvage because my sentence would have got cut off at some point and all that kind of stuff. It was a very interesting episode, though, because um, it was hilarious me trying to pronounce all these French words that happened to be like every other word was French. Really? Really, Susan? <laughs> um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about camp and extravagance and literary things. And yeah, it was really cool. So if you're interested, I think you should check it out. You can probably find a PDF online. Susan Sontag, Notes on Camp. Um yeah, I was reading it out of a small book that had two of her essays. Basically, the first one was Notes on Camp, and the second one was, ooh, something sensibilities. That one I did record the episode of, so if you're interested, you can go listen to that afterwards. Um, 
But yeah, that episode had to be discarded. It's in the dustbin of history, which is a phrase I learned many, many years ago from my cousin who was studying politics. No, A-levels. No, what? Wow. She was studying law, and now she is a lawyer, so that's great for her. Um, and yeah, this episode will... Hmm, do I keep it or not? I don't know. I mean, I did talk quite a lot, like, just freestyling. So maybe I'll keep it. We'll see. <sighs> Hope you're doing okay. I feel like that was kind of a heavy topic. It's gonna suck if my microphone isn't clear because, I mean, it's just like, I don't know if you use audio messaging. I mean, some people are predicting that that's the future of social media, by the way. Let me know what you think about that. But doesn't it hurt when you're recording an audio message, like on WhatsApp, for instance, and then you let go and it gets deleted? Like, that's happened to me before and my friends, and it's just it's just a sad feeling, really. So yeah, it would suck if this audio hasn't been very clear. I'm sorry if that's the case. Um, what else was I going to say? I don't really know. If you want me to ever just talk about things, I probably can. So let me know what you're interested in hearing, like, topic-wise. Something I used to do is, like, have a lot of heart-to-hearts with my friends who were going through troubling times. Give them advice. Take advice as well, obviously, because... I ain't a scholar, I ain't many things, (laughs) so I'm not qualified to give you, like, uh, I don't know, professional advice, but if you ever want to hear me talk about something, then I can give it a go, let me know what it is. I think I wanted to speak about this initially just because um, I've been uploading quite frequently, if you've noticed, and I think I was due another episode, obviously I would have done it two days ago, so I just wanted to let you know why that hasn't been there. In the future, I don't think I'm going to do many of those kind of updates because um, I want it to be very carefree. If I don't have a strict schedule, that's fine because I don't want to scare myself into not reading, you know. Um, But then I also wanted to share the findings of the episode that has now been discarded. And yeah, in conclusion, that's what this was. I think another reason why this all came to be is because uh, I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now regarding the things that are happening to... Hazara Shias in Pakistan. If you don't know about that, I mean, first of all, I would not be surprised. But you can look it up, I guess. Um, I don't think I have the energy to explain that right now. Do look it up. It's quite important. But I don't know. It's just very sad what's happening. And I see these things happening all the time when Shia people are being subjected to physical violence. And they don't get the justice that they deserve. So... I think one way to combat that from happening in the future really is knowledge. Knowledge is key. A lot of the things that I make on my social media, like on YouTube for instance, and I'm not I'm not a big influencer so don't think of me like that, but some of the things that I've made, um, like a documentary on homelessness or um, that video on discrimination at the University of Oxford, my goals with those kind of things have always been to spread awareness because when you spread awareness, you know, the people who watch it will hopefully it will affect them positively and then they can enact that positive change in their daily life and you know the more people you affect it has a a ripple effect and then next thing you know there is some sort of um, tangible change in the world I think at least in a small sphere and that's good enough for me like I made a documentary on homelessness in Oxford because and I'm going off tangent right now but I feel like this is quite interesting but anyway yeah Oxford as you may have guessed, is a very affluent city, home to the best, if not one of the best universities in the world. Um, Rent is the second 
highest in the UK. First is London, no surprise there. <laughs> um, however, there is a very large homelessness crisis in Oxford. Um, and I was very surprised to see that when I joined university there. I've graduated now, by the way, if you don't know that. But yeah, when you walk around the city centre, for instance, you see people um, asking for money or busking or just in the cold, really. And um, it's sad to see because I felt like, and I know a lot of other people did feel like the council of the city could have done more to aid those people. There are efforts of independent charity groups um, in the city and they do really amazing things. So what I decided one day, kind of on a whim, was to pick up my camera and go into the city centre and just start filming some of the people, with their consent of course, um, just to shed light on what the situations actually are. And then one thing led to another, people kept introducing me to other people or telling me who else to talk to. Um, I know there's a word for that in sociology actually, in terms of finding respondents, I think it's called the domino effect? I can't really remember right now. But anyhow, one thing led to another, and what I thought would be initially a 7 minute video, 10 minutes at max, ended up being 47 minutes, and basically an uh, independent documentary. And I think, as I said originally, my main aim was to spread awareness, because I think I did achieve that, as a lot of people were telling me that, you know, they learn a lot about different reasons why people become homeless. It's not just because they didn't try hard and, you know, like, they're leeching off the system or anything. I mean, I guess people say that more about benefits, but it wasn't just because they quote-unquote failed at life or whatever, because this is the stuff that you hear sometimes. There were a lot of different reasons. Um, it's obviously very personal, depends on the depends on the person, which is why I try to speak to a lot of different people, not just um, displaced people, but charities as well. Um, just to get a bit of a broader picture, and yeah... I mean, I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, actually. It kind of just went there. But I wanted to spread awareness. And I think that gaining knowledge by yourself is also very important. Because if we go back to this homelessness example, actually, it's called Pray It Doesn't Rain. If you wanted to check it out, it's on YouTube. The reason behind the name is um, I wrote that down. Wait, one second. Is this still recording? Okay, cool. I wrote that down on a placard for a photo project happening the year before, I think, or a few months before I filmed that documentary for a homelessness campaign. And it was something like, what would you say to a homeless person if you could? Um, and I said, I hope it won't rain too much. Something along those lines, because as a child growing up, um, I often would reflect on things before I went to sleep pray for things and say what I was grateful for and stuff and the thing that would be the most common in those prayers or whatever you want to call that reflection kind of thing was that um, I had a roof over my head especially because you know England cold and you know like if it's going to rain I'm grateful that I won't get wet in the rain but the the first thing that comes to mind if you think of it simply is that homeless people don't have that so they get rained on a lot but not only that they get rained on with negative attitudes and mm, verbal abuse. So I meant rain in two senses. And I really wished that bringing awareness and um, raising awareness on people's different situations would give people compassion, realise that it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, and hopefully 
it would make the rain stop in terms of the verbal abuse. And, you know, obviously I can't fix the other issue, which is the housing issue and the physical rain. But I was hoping that, you know, people who have more power than me might stumble across this and be moved to maybe do something or maybe do a bit more. And if anything, I think ordinary people who don't have as much power did take away some good things from that video. So I'm glad, you know, that's kind of enough for me. Um, the discrimination video is similar, maybe less grand, but um, I mean, it's quite different actually. So it's not that relevant to what I was saying, but again, it was raising awareness on different types of issues that people um, experience at the University of Oxford so that we can understand what people go through. And yeah, diluting ignorance really can bring peace. I do believe that. Um, what else was I going to say? But yeah, it's actually quite funny because looking back at that documentary, I don't watch it. <laughs> I haven't really watched it fully, I don't think, um, many times actually. I took so long to edit it. I didn't have good software back then. So looking back, the reason why I don't really watch it back is because if I did it now, it could have been better. Not like super amazing, but at least slightly better. But it's fine because um, I think people who make anything will always say that you improve over time. So that's a good thing. Um, one of my professors, when I was studying, um, and she's a really cool person. She specializes in like um, literature and media in China. We had an essay that revolved around documentaries in China, docufiction and all that kind of stuff. And when I handed in my essay to her, one of the feedbacks I got at the bottom of the email was that she watched my documentary and she thought it was really cool. So, you know, that gave me the validation to call it a documentary, not just a short film or just a video. <laughs> that was cool. And, yeah. So, even though I would edit it slightly different now, I think it still stands on its own, so that's fine, I guess. I spent the longest time subtitling it all to try and make it a bit more accessible. So, that's cool too. I'm just reflecting now, by the way. And um, another fun fact. I didn't tell anybody about it until it was almost done. Um, because I knew that it would maybe raise an eyebrow, pose possible safety concerns with my family or other people who are close to me. Um, because, you know, it's a strange thing to go and do, just go into town and talk to homeless people. You know, when you put it like that, it's very weird, actually. Um, and, you know, some of the people that I spoke to were actually telling me places that are dangerous to go to. Maybe don't go there. Although you can find people to interview. So I avoided those spaces. Um, but there were a few times where it, it did feel slightly dangerous. But I think it was fine and I can take care of myself. I mean, I'm cautious, you know. So yeah, I didn't tell anybody about this whole project thing that I was very excited about for a long time. Until I basically put out the trailer. And then I released it on my 21st birthday. 1st of April. April Fool's. <laughs> suits me a lot apparently i mean i agree it does um but yeah how did we get here hmm reflections reflections hmm this is also making me think of new year's resolutions but that's a different topic entirely and i'm not gonna do that right now it's yeah let's not do that <laughs> but in short i don't really make new year's resolutions anyway so um i'm not anti them if they work for people that's cool the short answer is that I always have things that I'm kind of working towards at the back of my head, like bigger goals. Um, so I guess New Year is more of a review point for me. 
it's not really the time for me to make a new resolution because I feel like we're pressured into doing so by society because, you know, new year, new me. And there's no point because a lot of the time, like, there's too much pressure and then they fall through. Like, oftentimes it's weight loss and stuff, which if you want to do that, I fully support it if you are healthy and sensible and stuff, obviously. But I think just doing it because it's the new year doesn't seem like the most sustainable way to go. So I don't really do them myself. But they can be useful, definitely. Um, yeah, I guess that's another thing you can tell me. What do you think about resolutions? Do you make any? How are they going? If they're not going so well, don't sweat it. It's fine. Um, just try again, I guess. Or adjust, edit, whatever your calls were. Um, yeah. That is probably the end. How long have I been talking for? You know it's too... 30, almost 2.30 now. I've been sleeping really late, especially this week. I don't even want to tell you what times because you won't believe me. Unless you know me personally, you won't believe me. It's just not healthy. It's just not right. <laughs> um, I've always slept really late, but the past few days have been horrendous. So I'm going to fix that. As soon as my hamsters wake up and I feed them a treat, I'm going to bed. Like, I'm a dedicated hamster mom. I'm just waiting um, and waiting. I have two and I can hear one of them. And... I mean, I keep going off topic, but this is so cute. You know hamsters can eat baby food? I know, right? It's surprising. Obviously, it depends on the ingredients, but I have Ella's Kitchen Organic. Two packs of that. I gave them one already. It was grape flavour. Green grape. They loved it. So cute. Wait, was it grape or was it peas? I think it was peas, actually. I forget. It was green. Um, And now I have a prune-flavoured one. My dwarf hamster, Esme, tried a bit. And I think Nelson, my golden long hair Syrian hamster that's a long name um I think he's gonna love it because he's a greedy scavenger who acts like I don't feed him but such is the life of a hamster anyhow I'm a girl hope you enjoyed this there was a lot to think about a lot to reflect on um hopefully this wasn't like preachy or anything because that's not what I'm going for at all I'm just you know unpacking what's going on in my head right now stay safe let me know what you think um Yeah. Bye.